0: Bring is that you?
1: Hello, Chris Evans here, and welcome once again to the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, Academy Award winning megastar Gary Oldman takes us behind the scenes with the BFI re-release of his 1997 directorial debut film, *Nil by Mouth. Acting royalty Dame Emma Thompson warms our hearts with her new children's book, Jim's Spectacular Christmas. The always hilarious David Baddiel unwraps his ninth children's book, Virtually Christmas. Hollywood legend Matthew Modine dishes the details on taking on the iconic role of Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird, a London's Gielgud theatre. All of that and so much more still to come. So, Vassos, kick things off and tell us who's first.
2: He's swinging an Oscar in his left hand, a Golden Globe in his right, and 25 years on he's about to re-release his writing and directing debut, the astonishing Nil by Mouth, remastered by the BFI. This is Radio Goldman. It's Gary Oldman. Nice
1: fast sauce. <laughs> oh. All right, what about this film? Exhausting to watch again. Uh, I'm sure it was exhausting to make, but it is a brilliant brilliant movie. And um, for people who don't know um, what it concerns itself with, would you like to enlighten them?
3: It is uh, it's basically about a dysfunctional sort of uh, family and it's it's scenes are Well, it's not a movie you take a Date to on a on a Friday or a Saturday night. It's uh, it's themes of you know drug addiction and alcoholism and um, and domestic abuse. And even though it was made, you know, twenty five years ago, I think uh, it's it's still as um, prevalent as it were, you know as it was then.
1: Prevalent and relevant, maybe yeah, more y- than ever. Yeah. Um, I remember watching it for the first time. I remember what that felt like. What are your memories of making it?
3: Well, I had one camera we shot on Super 16, um, a little Arton, and, um, uh, and, and we shot, uh, I think it was like something like 500,000 feet of film. Um, and this, the, the, this camera was, uh, you could hammer nails with it, you know, and then it, it was solid.
4: <laughs> it was
5: agricultural.
3: And, yeah, it was it was fantastic. This thing, and what that what that meant was that the actors would have to do many, many, many takes. Um, now it's a lot easier. You shoot digital. You shoot multi-camera. So back then it was. Uh, I mean, I, I I mean, I talk about back then. It really does feel like dinosaur days with uh, you know uh, film running through a camera. Um, but they were really committed to the material and that I, I can't thank them enough for that because they worked their, their butts off let's name some names well we got the wonderful Ray Winston um, who was the first one on board um, there were a lot of people I was surrounded by many 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 people who did not want to make it and were saying to my manager at the time. Uh, well, he's still my manager, but at the time they said, "You know, it's career suicide. Don't let him do it." No, oh God, now he thinks he can direct, and so there were a lot of. It it was, it was uphill. I couldn't raise any money from Britain, and uh, so I got uh, Luc Besson, who I'd worked with on uh, on Leon. He put some money up. Raise some money, and and I and I put the rest. I sort of put the rest up. So it was very much a kind of. Um, I'd made a little money from film. I didn't have um, Lamborghinis and uh, really lavish. I didn't have what I would call a lavish lifestyle and expensive works of art hanging over the hanging over the place. So I thought I would I would buy myself a moving picture, and the intention was. It was an experiment. It had a very specific p- point of view going in. That I think there's two dolly shots, one prime lens. There's no high shots. There's no low shots. There's, you, you know what I mean. It's pretty much head-on. Lo- a lot of long lenses um, to give you a sort of um, a voyeuristic feel, but also going in very tight and close, so that you uncomfortably get a, close. So you get a sort of you get... It's a mix of voyeurism and sort of claustrophobia. Yeah. So there was a, a very... Um, um, uh, there was a very strong point of view going in. And uh, some of the people were on board and some weren't. And um, uh, it, it, Charlie Creed Miles, who... Uh, you know, it's a funny thing. when, when I, fa- I saw Charlie and Anna Sher. I went and saw these kids... And Charlie did this improvisation. I thought he was absolutely wonderful when he ended up being in the film. And from there, has enjoyed a a career. He would have had the career, I think, if I hadn't found him, Anna Schur. I mean, I basically was just... I appreciated what was already there. But it really is lovely when you see people do well and they're like your kids, you know, you're sort of growing up and you think, oh, they're really... You know, you're 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 really pr- sort of proud of your kids.
1: You know, <laughs> wow! And um, what a team! And what a gang! You know, not just in front of the camera, behind the camera as well. Um, yeah. Slow horses is coming back. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah, uh, December we get. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really want to talk to you about that because I thought we'll get him in again for that. <laughs> but, uh, well, I'd love to come back. I
3: inj- uh, always. Yeah, but you, don't live, Imagine... corner, do you? don't live around the corner, do you? That's. <laughs> I don't live around the corner, but you know, I'm I'm, b- I'm back after Christmas. We we start the. What are we doing? We start the
1: fourth. Uh, um, in February yeah okay cool man so cool uh, Gary joined us in April to talk about playing Jackson Lamb in the Apple TV Plus drama Slay Horses* Season 2 will be coming to Apple TV Plus from Friday 2nd of December but he was here primarily today to talk about this *Nil by Mouth re-release in 4k across the UK uh, this Friday from the 4th of November but find out more bfi.org.uk Gary I love you thank you for coming here thank you for having thank me thank you for always coming to say hello for always oh. fitting us into your schedule All right. we really appreciate it thank you
4: the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky.
6: Virgin Radio. There ain't nothing like a brand
2: new oh, festive <laughs> kids book to get us all in the mood for you know what. Yeah. Jim's Spectacular Christmas is out now. There ain't nothing like Axel Scheffler to bring the brilliant words to life. And how about those words? There ain't, ain't nothing, nothing like, like a dame, dame Emma, Emma Thompson. Thompson. Oh my
7: God, I think I'm going to have to go back to bed now. <laughs> You're all so bright and awake but isn't it's that because you've
1: been in bed since
7: Friday lunchtime <laughs> right. yes. yes because I was doing something for you Chris wasn't I <laughs> yes you were well for Ukraine via for Ukraine me. exactly thank you yes, very much for I was for that. getting
1: drunk for the Ukraine yes it's very important to get drunk for charity whenever possible yes um, especially for all the money you raised uh, so you had gorgeous Michelle and Simon Orange who who were the winning bidders for the
7: lunch? Yes. Uh, where did you go? What did you have? What did you enjoy most? Can you remember anything? I can oddly remember quite a lot. Um, it was Simon, uh, it was Adam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Stop it. First Stop positions, it. I'm everyone. Fine. And Adam, Emma restaurant frog in Covent Garden. Yes. And it was a tasting menu and it was absolutely sublime. And we were right next to the kitchen. So you could see everybody squir- just squirreling away at their work. And. And Adam's so young and, and uh, it already has about a million places all with Michelin stars. He's extraordinary. Yeah. Unfortunately, of course, Michelle Dockery and Hayley Atwell were behaving very well and didn't have anything to drink. So I had all theirs. That's nice. Uh, and it was tasting. So, so there was a pairing with each. thing And it, I don't drink during the day. Obviously, obviously, I make up for it at night. But <laughs> I, 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 I was just trollied by the end of it. I actually had to be handled because- out <laughs> ab- into the street
1: assisted
7: this is all true by the way
1: <laughs> so so because so the, obviously when drinks are paired with dishes it's called a pairing but you had a quadrupling didn't you because you were drinking three for one you were drinking for three
7: in many ways that's so true
1: and then i heard the tequila came out at about half past four and then things were no, no 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 i left level. i went i, I went Now i couldn't are have sure? gone there you sure
7: I. This is not what I'm hearing. Really? Yeah. Oh, do you know what? My, maybe I've
1: forgotten. I think. I think that's, that's probably not what happened. good, old people. But thank that's you. Not good. Thank you on behalf of um, DC, the Disaster emergency committee. You nearly had one yes. of your own, but thankfully that was <laughs> absolutely. You know, Always happy to serve. We got around there. All right, Jim's spectacular <laughs> Christmas. Every Tuesday here, up until Christmas, with ten Tuesdays to go, we celebrate Christmas full on. So every Tuesday is a Christmas show. That's okay. what. That's, that's how we roll. That's nice. Remember, okay, and Jim's spectacular Christmas. This book by Emma Thompson and Alex uh, Axel. Scheffler rather uh, the Renan Axel Scheffler should get his name right um, is is perfect for us so um, I want this story to be real it sort of is a bit isn't it it
7: is sort of a bit real yeah um, because it's about a dog who did live at the V&A so Henry Cole who ran the V&A for Prince Albert who was put very cool dude. I mean, he built that whole thing <laughs> and was so fierce on getting everyone in to, for instance, the Great Exhibition. He was the one who set up the shilling days or the pennies or whatever it was when folk could bust in from all parts of the country. I mean, he was very sort of civic-minded. Very, I think he must have been rather wonderful. Anyway, Henry Cole was his sort of amanuensis in the V&A and he had the do- a dog called Jim who went with him everywhere. And of course, because the VNA's loads of different buildings that were built over many decades really Um, miles, you could walk for miles and this little dog was sketched by his master Henry Cole who must have been a very nice man, you can tell by the way in which he drew his dog and Henry Cole invented the Christmas card is that so, true? Yes, it's true. Because uh, I know that's that's in the story, but yeah. is that actually what happened? That's actually what happened. He invented the blooming Christmas. Because
1: somebody off. had to. Because you, you don't no it's, like, no, it's like the spoon, isn't it? Somebody had to invent it at exactly. one point. Exactly. Somebody had to eat all the poisonous fruits and die, so we could eat the ones that weren't. Things exactly. like that. Well,
7: Christmas was sort of invented by the Victorians, and then the Norwegians sent us trees, and that was it. We were off to the races. Charles Dickens we?
1: had a lot to do with the the sort of the um, uh, the, the quickening of that
7: whole process. That's, he did. He did and and there's quite a lot because i love dickens i expect i was highly influenced you know because jim was once used as a as a sw- s- chimney sweeping brush he was yep. attached to the end of a of a broomstick That's true as well No that's not true I made that up <laughs> You don't know No they deep. didn't send Dogs up chimneys They, they valued dogs they too much. They only send up Children, children. <laughs> Who they didn't value Children Poor children And were children Children then were The Charles Act come? When No the children just... No 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 Absolutely not That's quite late on In fact the idea of It was Thomas Coram Really Who right. was Dickin, Dickensian in, in times Wasn't he Wait a minute I'm going to get the, Somebody look it up You've got your phones Haven't you mm-hmm. Well, Thomas Coram w- Invented the idea Of treating children better and treating differently um, to adults protecting well, them well protecting them particularly poor children which yeah. is where the quorum uh, trust I think they're called, it should be called the forum, it's quorum, it? anyway the forum. and it was Thomas Corum who also must have been very for clear-sighted and, and kind mindful um, mindful yeah so what do you want Jim's Spectacular
1: Christmas to do well
7: <laughs> I'm not entirely sure I mean I think I I, I think it's a nice thing to read. I think it would be nice if people looked at their dogs differently. Um, (laughs) I offered them things to read. Uh, It's it's a cosy story. That's what it is. It's it's something to make you feel cosy at Christmas time. Thinking about family and thinking about, you know, Christmas cards. Are they a good thing or are they not now? I don't send them anymore because I feel a bit... Guilty about. We don't do presents anymore. We do presents for the kids, but we don't do presents for the grown-ups. We don't either. We've just stopped because we've got too much stuff anyway. That's
1: really funny. We played it the other day on the radio because we always buy each other presents. The virtual giving of presents is the best thing ever. What I was going to get you was. I mean, no way. I would have loved that. What I was going to get you it's the funniest game in. But you've got to mean it.
7: Or on the radio, you can say, and here is your Ferrari. That's lovely. Gosh, it's so big, isn't it? It's taken up so much space in this studio. Do you know what I mean? Emma, great to see you. Lovely to see you guys.
4: Thanks for everything.
1: No, not at all. Everything. Jim's Spectacular Christmas is out now. Emma Thompson and Axel Scheffler.
4: And it's absolutely awesome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky.
6: Virgin Radio.
4: Our favourite comedies, our favourite books,
6: tweets, even,
2: to us English, our favourite song. Now he's written our kids' new favourite Christmas book, Virtually Christmas, Time to Rescue Santa from the Internet, is out now. So... When is a bad deal, a really good deal, and a really big deal? When it's
8: wow. David Baddiel. Thank you very much.
1: I think it was OK. No,
8: it <laughs> wasn't. <laughs> I really <didn't laughs> liked that much one. Much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the old deal and deal, but <laughs> deal,
1: <thing. or> no <laughs> deal. <Yeah. laughs> deal or no bad deal. Deal or no A bad deal. Yeah. Oh, God, I get it through. Yeah. I did a joke bada, once deal.
8: about Theresa May. What did Theresa May say about uh, Brexit? Oh god I can't remember the joke. Uh I'd rather a good deal than a bad deal, or something she said. No deal than a bad deal. No deal, yeah, yes, that's right. And I did a joke, uh, which is now not very topical, about when some Brexit secretary resigned. I said, maybe I should be Brexit secretary next time, so that it will be finally true that no deal is better than a bad deal. <laughs> and I think that is my most liked tweet of all time still. Yay, yay, yay. <laughs> well Pretty high by yeah, oh yeah.
1: How are you feeling about being charged £7 a month to carry on tweeting?
8: Not good about that. Actually will you pay uh, up uh, i 'm with Stephen King. Have you seen that no there 's an amazing thing actually. I, I presently have talking about l- well liked tweets uh, a very well liked tweet which is that Stephen King said i 'm not paying that. You should basically be paying me to which is true it 's a great writer to be providing content on this platform and underneath it, and if you 've seen this, Elon Musk has started haggling with him and said, "What will you pay maybe eight dollars i don 't know We have to pay the bill somehow and I wrote above it you know what, I'm no king of business, but I think I might have sorted this out before I paid the 44 billion. (laughs) Like, I might have done some research to say, will will people pay for this?
1: No, I know, know. but the thing about Elon Musk is, you know, he is mercurial, there's no question about that, and, you know, he he is um, sort of impulsive sometimes, but his business history suggests that, you know, he's no one-trick pony, and he knows exactly what he's doing all the time, because, you know, he sold his first company with his brother when they were, like, 19. You know, he's a serial business. Businessman, he's not just had one big hit and then has made so much money he can afford to stuff everything else up. I can't believe he didn't do his due diligence, and okay. this is all part of a big play,
8: right? Uh, I don't know if I agree. Well, as someone who owns a Tesla, just... I think I think he runs some good companies, yes. right? Uh, but. I think that there is also a history, a wider history, of people with loads and loads of money doing very well and then deciding I need to be bigger than someone who earns loads of money. I need to make my mark on history. You know, people sort of do that, I think. They want to control bigger things than just their own money they want to say no no I am I'm I'm clearly a really important person look at all my money well how do I really make that importance felt and if you control one of the major platforms that you know is, is how people talk how people form opinions then you really are making a difference but what you might have done at that point is make a business mistake.
9: What,
1: by agreeing to pay too much money for it? Uh, just or because money I, for no one or?
8: knows how Twitter's going to... I'm not a king of business, yeah. let's be clear about that. But I don't know how Twitter's going to make money and it feels like he doesn't quite know. Maybe he's got an instinct, and his instinct might be good, that it can, but at the moment it feels more about him wanting to be a very important person.
1: None of this gets any close to your brilliant new ninth children's book,
8: does it, David Baddiel? It doesn't, and if I'm going to make any money, which clearly I'm not, from Dogecoin, I need to sell copies of this book.
1: <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, by the way, we're back... To, oh, my God, we're back to the virtual world, aren't we, are. we? Yeah, All right. Well, um, Shall I tell you what happens? Please, well, not the we, whole thing, obviously, well, we, just we, the basic we idea. We have a review in. Oh, OK, oh, we oh, know great, them. I would love your reviews. OK, well, well it's, it's from young man. Mary again, who reviewed your last book?
8: Yeah, she's brilliant.
1: She was seven uh, the last time you had a book out. She's
8: now eight. (laughs) If I keep going, she'll be about forty. Yeah, still doing children's books.
1: Um, And Vassos, she read Emma Thompson's book. She reviewed that yesterday. This, she's eight. Emma Thompson's
8: our children's book. Yes, yesterday.
1: Yeah. All right. It's really good. Okay. It's not as good as yours.
8: That's all right. I'm just always, obviously, I think David Wellham's felt this about me when I first started writing children's books. like, oh, not another celebrity that writing children's tri- books. triggered
1: you a little bit, didn't it? Sorry? That triggered you a
8: little bit. It did trigger me a bit. Obviously, <laughs> I'm thinking, like, as we say, I'm not good with money. I don't want the market to be stolen by dames. <laughs> <laughs> Dames or
1: Davids? (laughs) The next Dame, David Williams. That sounds good, doesn't it? Mm. Um, So, Mary now must be the most well read eight year old in Britain because you keep making her read books for the show that you're supposed to read for the show. She
2: thinks it's a treat. She doesn't realise that she's actually. She's, I'm putting her to work.
1: I yeah. need to give you an invoice. It's, a,
2: yeah. it's all about how prayed? you present it. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: on Monday, trick or treat, <laughs> yeah. says Mary. Treat, Mary. Here's another book to read yeah. before nine o'clock tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And if
2: you wouldn't yeah. mind, I'll think about what you think about it, and then I'll record you saying it. <laughs> okay, so
1: the book is called David Bedell's book is called Virtually Christmas: Time to Rescue Santa from the Internet, and the, it's not just um, you know the situation that may be revolting, but the kids are revolting as well, aren't
8: they? a kid is is revolting from the fact that a company that may or may not be based on a real internet company called Winterzone, in my book, has basically patented Christmas, owns Christmas, uh, owns Santa, uh, and uh, is thinking of making Christmas five times a year, just to make money <laughs> um, and uh, sat- they've got this thing called Santa avatars that appear sort of holograms of Santa everywhere and there's no sleighs, just drones deliver presents or whatever uh, and Everyone seems all right with this except one girl called Etta Baxter, whose grandma, no longer with us, told her about what Christmas used to be like when it was sort of rubbish, when it was sort of rubbish Christmas crackers with terrible jokes written by the Doge guys or whatever. But she loves the idea of that Christmas, and she's got a little box with little trinkets in it and bits of sort of old cracker and old old tinsel from the tree. Anyway, she sees a delivery man, an old delivery man, and she thinks, wait a minute. Could that person be Santa? And I'm not telling you anything more.
1: Oh, that's great, man. Yeah. Uh, the mention of drones. Do you think drones have had
8: their day? Uh, no. No. Do you think so? They seem <laughs> pretty around to me. Really? we are yeah. just
0: getting started. I don't yeah. think
1: you see them, but you see them in the parks all week, every weekend. There's a guy on QVC who is the drone guy. He's the go-to drone guy. He just sells the drones.
8: Oh, really? He's very good on QVC. Yeah. And they have a lot. Does he have a friend who they chat about and say, "This drone, yeah, you yeah. can get it now for"? Yeah. On QVC on advertising channel, I know, we're, but we, I often watch it because it's really funny. So do I. And I wonder if does we anyone does anyone ever buy the terrible piece of jewelry or whatever it is at the first price?
1: Well, they tend to, they <laughs> usually sell out, don't they?
8: They say Well, they say they're selling out. But, but I believe but them. But if you watch it twice, you'll know that price is going to go down. Right, okay, fair enough.
1: See, back, to, back to prices going up and down again.
8: Yeah, uh, love to see you again. Oh, have I gone
1: well it's because it is 10 o'clock but it's nearly 10 o'clock yeah, oh so was, okay it was <laughs> it was very quick it was 20 odd minutes
8: <laughs> so more than you can get by Radio
1: 2 that's for sure um, <laughs> David Baddiel Virtually Christmas Time to Rescue Santa from the internet you know and phrases like the, the uh, Santa avatar and things like that that must have been fun playing with all those
8: it's really fun yeah. I really, it is really fun right for children and um yeah, uh, this, is, this is my ninth one Yeah, yeah. God.
1: Are you disappointed with the time you've had on the show or it genuinely just flown by?
8: No, no, I'm not,
4: not disappointed I, I enjoyed it The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky
6: Virgin Radio
4: From the iconic full metal jacket to the
2: phenomenon Stranger Things our next guest has been a constant and very welcome part of our lives for near on 40 years, he's now about to hit the West End hard into Killer Mockingbird at the Gielgud theatre, so please welcome everyone's favourite dapper papa, it's magnificent Matthew Modine. All right,
1: Matthew. Oh my God. I'm going to come here every morning. <laughs> you can. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, you'll be around, won't you? So I'll you, be here, That yeah. is a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so To Kill a Mockingbird it has amazing reviews. You've been involved in it already. Um, you can steal the five-star reviews it's already achieved here. They're not yet yours, really, because um, you don't start till the 21st of November, but you can have them, can't you? That's a yeah. tightrope. I be, can, yeah. I just be... hijacked them. Yeah, just good for you. Where, when did you land? What are you, what's your preparation been like for this amazing play?
10: Uh, we've been here about through th- this started the third week of rehearsals now, yeah. and uh, starting to feel confident. Feeling what does uh, that mean? What does that mean? Well, it's 130 pages of text. Yeah. Aaron Sorkin is the is the author of Harper Lee's uh, book. You know the adaptation should, yeah. and making it into a play, and. Uh, he he, kind of happily says that there's more dialogue for the Atticus Finch than Hamlet, you know, and it's a lot. It's a it's a it's a an amazing part, and it, it's an important part. While it's about systemic racism in the United States and and the judicial system, um, it's about something much bigger. It's it's about that anybody who uh, has to run away from something because they're scared. Uh, and because of their race or their religion, it, it's it's about that. It's about something that happens around the world. You know, justice is supposed to be blind, and if if we can't get a fair trial because of our of our sexual orientation or uh, our sex or, uh, uh, or the anything. color the color of our skin, yeah. then the, then the judicial system is a lie.
1: It also contains one of the greatest, most inspirational, um, profound, prescient lines. Ever written, which is trying to do the right thing is the right thing. Mm. Which is just so it's just the best line. I think about it every day. Yeah. Just trying to do the right thing doesn't matter if it doesn't work out. Trying to do the right thing is the right thing. It's as right as you can, can do, I yeah. think. Uh, Matthew, 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 Matthew. <laughs> oh.
10: You know, I'm looking out your window. Yeah, sorry and about I'm that. In <laughs> 1984, 5, yeah. we, Stanley Kubrick made his Vietnam just across the river here. I know. At uh, the I Isle know. of Dogs. Where and, do
1: we want to go with you and your career? Do you know what I did last <laughs> night, Matthew? What did I do last night? To, what did I watch last night in preparation for you coming in today?
10: What did I watch? Full Metal Jacket. No. No. Uh, Go again. Go again. uh, uh, Not Stranger Things. No. Um, What was the
1: film that got you Full Metal Jacket?
10: Vision Quest. No. No. Uh, oh, shoot. Well, I think it got you. I, I, I may be
1: wrong. You, you know better than I do. Uh, streamers? Birdie.
10: Birdie. Uh, I watched Birdie last night. Yeah, that's such a beautiful... Oh, Peter a Gabriel fi- it did the music. It was his first time he did a score for a film, and he he's really my voice. He speaks for me in the film.
1: But you and Nicolas Cage, I mean, I don't know many people who've seen Birdie, um, but what a film, what a yeah. film. Just explain what that film is. I want people to watch Birdie well, this weekend.
10: First, I have to tip my hat to Alan Parker, who's, I think, arguably one of the greatest filmmakers ever you know and he just passed away uh, last year and I'm um, such a tremendous man and it was a book that people said could never be made into a film um and I auditioned for Nicolas Cage's part, and when Alan called me and said I was going to be in the film, I said, are you going to change the character's name? And he said, what do you mean? I said, am I going to play an Italian-American, or are you going to change his name to something more ang- you know, white, w- waspy? And he said, no, you're going to play Birdie. And I said, no, no, I auditioned for Al, Columbato And he said, yeah, but you're going to be great, you're going to play Birdie. And I swear I, I I got down on my hands and knees and begged for everybody that's been misunderstood and beaten up by life and, and, and Wants justice to exist in the world to help me to play that role of Birdie, and I, I I'm not a religious person, but I'm spiritual, and I, I felt like my body was in, filled with the spirit of of people who, who uh, were misunderstood, and and they guided me and helped me get through that film.
1: It's funny because we had Gina Davis. I know you've worked with Gina Davis, of course, you have in the past, but. Um we had her on the show a couple of weeks ago and a lot of the younger members of the production team have not seen Thelma and Louise because they weren't born, mm, right? Yeah. And we're like, you don't understand how great this movie is. And it ha- hasn't aged with time. Then when we're getting texts from listeners and we we're, people, women especially saying this has changed their life. Yeah. You know i sent to Mira and Ozzy Jane, who works here, you've got to see it because it's still box fresh, you know. And I forgot about the end of Birdie, which is sort of the opposite of the end to Thelma and Louise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they Alan wanted
10: Birdie to die. He 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 was up on the roof, yeah. and. Alan had a Easton accent, and I struggled to understand what he was talking about a lot of times, and he would direct while the cameras were, were rolling, and I couldn't understand him, and I'd turn and look at him and say, what? And he'd say, you, you know, he'd, just, he'd go off on me, you know, don't I don't know what I can swear, how, how violently I can swear, but he, yeah, he, he gave me, there's a, a British word you guys use that we're not allowed to use in the United States, it begins with a C and ends with the T. Yeah, we're not and allowed to
1: see. He really. Really, yeah. He
10: and he just—I mean, he, yeah—he just berated yeah. me. And at the end of the film, he wanted Bertie to jump off the building and be dead. And the the studio, his family, the crew, everybody didn't want Bertie to die. And when we were up on the roof, and he saw that second level, you know, so it yeah, could, yeah. would just be like a ten-foot jump. <sighs> and 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 then he said, and and he'll. He'll jump and he'll turn around and look at me and say, what? Like what? he has the rest of the bloody movie.
1: And, and that was it. It's it, so cool. Yeah. Watch Birdie. Watch it. You will love that film. Matthew, you have not disappointed. They say never meet your heroes, but don't listen to those guys. Uh-huh. You're, you're amazing. Thank you, Chris. You're so cool. To kill a mockingbird, why wouldn't you want to go and see Matthew Modine? Give me one reason. Okay, and you can take all day if you like. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to go see Matthew Modine in *To Kill a Mockingbird? Uk begins Monday, 21st November, until March 2023 at London Skill Theatre. So does that mean you're going to be here for Christmas then?
10: I'll be here, yeah. I'll be here till next next spring. Let's do a lunch.
4: Yes, sir. Come on, I let's would do love it. That, yeah. I dare you. Yeah, come on. All right, let's do it. That's so cool. Super cool. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky.
6: Virgin Radio.
1: All right, we've heard from some of our top-notch guests already, but still to come, Master of Tasks, Alex Horn, spills all the beans about his brand-new Channel 4 sitcom, The Horn Section TV Show. Dancing duo Helen Skelton and Gorka Marquez waltz into the studio with a Strictly Come Dancing update. The superbly stoic Ryan Holiday takes us through his brand-new book, Discipline in Destiny, The Power of Self-Control. And the legendary sports broadcaster Gabby Logan turns the pages of her new autobiography, The First Half. So let's get right back to all of that. Vassos, who's next? So I
2: asked Rachel how to intro our next guest, who is, of course, her husband, and she said, honestly, just tell him what I want for Christmas. <laughs> but then she didn't tell me. So, Alex, you're on your own there, but you're about to have millions of new fans as the Horn Section TV show hits Channel 4
1: tonight. It's the hilarious and long-suffering
2: Alex Horn! <laughs> oh, all right, well, well first, first of everyone. all,
1: it doesn't hit Channel 4 tonight. It's available on all four as of now. Correct. O- all episodes, but thanks, Vassos. Thanks,
9: Vassos. It's
1: Vassos half the story Alexander again? Good half. <laughs>
9: You just put, take your pick. I, I liked So Silly Sicily. I thought it was smooth and understandable. Yeah.
1: Thanks, Alex. <laughs> From one pro to another.
9: Hello, everyone. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for having me here again.
1: Your show, this TV show, is off the charts. Good, honest, mate. Honestly, mate, it's five stars. It's ten out of ten. It's whatever you want it to be. Um, would you
9: like to try? Try. I, mean, I thought I'd watched episode one. Apparently, I watched episode six. Yeah. Yeah. That happened. Um, yeah, that's happened a few times. I've chatted to a few journalists who said, it's weird you start at that point, but no, that's you've watched I'm the last leaving episode. leaving the band.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I loved. I thought, oh, what a great way to say, well, you know, because I thought, hit the ground running. It sounds like they'd, written, they'd maybe written like five episodes and then they came to the sixth. Oh, this is so good. Let's start here. But actually that was the last I think one. you should watch
9: them all backwards and see if it works like that. And maybe that's it, a
1: new way. I think it will work backwards because they're, they're, they're
9: beautifully silly, so it doesn't really matter. Yes, it's definitely silly. I'll take that. Tell us about the passive- aggressive well Well um, The show is mainly me Trying to work with my friends Yes So Tim Key plays my psychotherapist Passive aggressive Passive aggressive Very passive aggressive Very, Yeah he's, uh, He steals something in the show Really sinister I don't want to say what it is A piece of a children's thing He's also obsessed with celebrities' phone numbers Yeah Yeah I think he's horrible but, uh, but I'm always beta in the show I'm always belittled by everybody From episode one to six So Tim's just another person in my life Who's uh, trampling all over me? And it's not so much that your character is narcissistic; he's trying to be narcissistic. Yeah, I want to be a star. My character, I'm so playing a man called Alex Horn in the show.
1: Yeah, developing a diva, which is going to be confusing for a lot of people. We're in a Vic Reeves Jim Moyer territory yeah. here,
9: aren't we? Shall I explain what the show is? Because yeah. that, that won't clear it up. Because the show is me and the band, the yes. Horn Section, yes. making a TV show called the Horn Section TV show for yes. Channel, tra- Channel Four, mm. all about me and the band, the Horn Section, making a show. ...for Channel 4 called The Horn Section TV Show. Yeah. It's, Does that clear
1: it up? Yeah, it's like The Larry Sanders Show, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, no, I'm not saying it's ripoff rip-off at all. I'm just saying it's an homage to shows that are like that.
9: Yeah, 30 Rock, Extras, oh, Alan
1: Partridge They're the show. best shows! They're the best shows! Right, OK, so, look, we can jump around wherever you like with the, the, this. First of all, um I thought the, the producer, who clearly has only got her role via nepotism because she's somebody's niece...
9: Oh, in the show, yes. I thought you were talking about an actor real who life. plays a person. No. it's all so complicated. Did I say that? I'm I? Yeah, well, I thought. Well, this is a bit. It's a bit unfortunate. Uh, Lucy, yes, Lucy I, no, is. No, th-
1: because the... I watched episode six, yes. right? I thought you and Rachel had a secret teenage
9: daughter, and this was her. I see. No, no. Rachel is in the show, uh, but we only have boys. We have five sons at the start of the series and seven by the end.
1: It's so. Good. It's <laughs> so funny.
9: We get, we get busy.
1: Um, you're te- I'm teaching on the brink of spoiling here because I thought I'd watched episode one. I'm like to watch episode one and talk about everything in episode one because it sets up the other five episodes. But, you know, I'm... I'm I'm sort of spoiler crazy here.
9: Yeah, yeah.
1: Do, do I mention the fact John Oliver's in it, for example? Yes,
9: he's in episode, well, he's in every episode.
1: Right, so oh, that's cool. Yes. So John Oliver, who is now a world-renowned uh, TV star because of his show in America, started, well, he's from the Midlands, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, cut his teeth where, here? Yeah,
9: On yeah. On the late, he,
1: the 11 o'clock show, was it?
9: Uh, he did a show with uh, Andy Zaltzman. He did lots of satirical podcasts and... The Bugle he did. But uh, now he's massive. Now he's huge in America. But the joke in the show is that he's desperate to be in my show because he wants to get his big break in the UK. But to be honest, he's not that good an actor,
1: right? Because he he clearly is desperate to be (laughs) on your show. It's obvious.
9: Uh he was so funny. So we only had a day with him and we had to film it all over Zoom. Don't say that. Oh sorry. We had like a month with him. And
1: he was literally, you know, he had nothing to do. He was trying to plat there He was desperate, desperate yeah. to get in our show. Blowing in the wind.
9: Yeah, in the he's desperate to be a singer in this sitcom. Yeah. So so he sees me as the gatekeeper to I'm sort of the Simon Cowell in his eyes
1: and because he's a big deal in america he thinks well you know i i man songs mm-hmm. that's what he's saying he's written four long
9: songs four long songs Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to be in one episode yeah. <laughs> and he looks more and more like ben elton with every shot <laughs> he does he does he's a very smart looking man i think his hair's like a lego man he's brushed up very well hasn't yeah. he
1: but he's how big is he in america john I mean, he's huge
9: he's won i think 11 emmys wow that's pretty cool uh, i mean he's absolutely enormous how many emmys have you won I've won I've been nominated for one international Emmy and? and you get sent a medal which is this it's the only medal I own right but we didn't win
1: does that feature in the sitcom should do you should have no, it's, it's should, season it should, two right, it should do. you have to get all the awards out and well, polish got them got and so to be seen
9: many, po- secretly polishing them by the candlelight at night if we can keep talking like there is going to be a season two that would be good because we've got Mates, so many ideas it's so funny it's brilliant I, I agree Chris it, I, I really, I really like it, but I just want to, we were so desperate to make more because it was really, really, really fun to do. I,
1: I expected amazing things, um, but I, this is way beyond. It's way beyond. Honestly, I think it's, br- I think it's brilliant. You know, I like sitcoms. I really like sitcoms, but I don't watch them. Yeah, because time is precious and I time. Agree. You know, you never get any, any more. It's the one thing that you know life doesn't do refunds in, and it doesn't, regardless if you keep the receipt. But I'm watching the show. I'm watching well, one the One of show. the real
9: strengths of the show is it's 22 and a half minutes long. And that's a real plus.
1: Yeah, unlike the Beatles documentary, which got dragged a bit. To be honest, Oh nine nine hours. That? Is it nine hours? Yes. it is nine hours. Nine yeah. hours. I've watched
9: it three times, though. So. Yeah. I really like it. Twenty-seven hours worth. Twenty-seven hours. What's
1: the name of the, the, the guy who directed it? What's his name again?
9: Oh, he found all the footage and he put it all together. Yeah. I'm going to say Oh, called, Janet Jackson. It was Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson yeah. did it. <laughs> Thank you, Chris.
1: Oh no, Peter. It was Peter Jackson. <laughs> you're awesome your show is awesome thank you Chris if you are staying in today because of this treacherous weather you need to get on all four jump on all four and watch the horn section television
9: show episode one first if you like
6: (laughs) the best
4: of the Chris Evans breakfast show with Sky
6: Virgin Radio they say
4: football is a game
2: of two halves which isn't true at all I can get through three or four pints watching Sky Sports on a Sunday afternoon,
8: but we do very droll. Thank you, thank
2: you, thank you. But we do have what she calls her half-time team talk with our next guest's book, The First Half, out now. So please welcome the newly crowned and forever sports presenter of the year. It's Gabby Logan. Gabby, thank you for having me. Gabby, 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 Gabby,
1: Gabby, Gabby Gabby Logan. Great book, guys. We've all loved it.
11: Oh, thank you so much. Um, And people, so much. You've all got a coffee each, which is lovely
1: and um, we've read it look um, I've got my notes and everything it's brilliant mm. actually to be honest I got up to where you joined Sky page 223 I hope that's allowed yeah that's absolutely okay. fine it's brilliant I mean, great story very inspiring you know I thought I knew you but I didn't know you it's um, sort very of interesting you start the book by saying uh, what you what you used to lie in bed thinking about as a child mm, mm. Um, what do you lie and think, uh, in bed thinking about now as a grown up <laughs> you know I'm very
11: lucky I fall asleep within five seconds of it in the film you. Yeah. you
1: are lucky I am very lucky if I could have one superpower that would would be it.
11: I've also learnt to fall asleep in the back of a cab and uh, any, anywhere I could just take a power nap. I've become very adept at sleeping. In um, the last, I think it's having t- kids. I mean, you've got loads of kids, so
1: you talked to the Queen uh, about your children, or she talked to you <laughs> about your children. She talked to me.
11: The Queen's in the book, everyone. us about know. you the Queen. Well, so ITV was celebrating their fiftieth birthday with this big gala event, and I just had twins six weeks before, and it was the first time I'd put a dress on, gone out, put a bit of makeup on, and I was with my good friend Kirsty Gallagher and Claire Sweeney was in our little trio, and the Queen was being introduced people from ITV with her lady in waiting had obviously briefed her a little bit and so she'd obviously told her I'd just had twins and the Queen said you've just had twins and I said yes yeah. she said how does one breastfeed twins and which was quite presumptuous that I was indeed breastfeeding but I was luckily because then I could explain the, the, the rugby ball hold where you have one child in on each breast yeah. and she was fascinated by this to the point where the others didn't get a look in and then about five years later I was at Clarence House as a Princess Trust Ambassador and uh, Camilla the uh, Queen Consort, as she was then, of course, just Prince Charles's wife, came over and said, My daughter's having twins. How does one breastfeed twins? And I said, Just ask your mother. No, I didn't. I explained to her. <laughs> but I thought, this is all. a bizarre fascination this family has with breastfeeding. Yeah, so that's not the main kind of theme of the book, but it does. It is in there,
1: though. And, <laughs> um, you know, there's no point in denying it because you've written about it. You've written about so many things. Very funny, uh, very candid. Um, you talk about the moment you knew what you wanted to do for yeah. the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, they say that those who. Who, um, can't those who can do those who can't teach and those who can't teach and do may commentate <laughs> there is that going on <laughs> but for a while you could do couldn't you
11: uh, well, I did. Yeah, I did a bit of sport. Is that what you... Were? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was I was an international rhythmic gymnast. And uh, and it was through that that I first entered a TV studio and thought, this is fantastic. Why not just any TV studio. No, I was on Blue Peter as a 15-year-old, cool advertising a big competition at Wembley, and I just loved it. It was the old TV centre, iconic building that I'd only ever seen on TV, you know, living in Leeds. I'd come down on the train, walked into that amazing building, walked into the studio and loved it, and we were live as well, you know, doing live TV and making up a routine to, to the Blue Peter music. And I wrote to the producer and said, gives a job. Uh, how do I get into telly? And he said, go to university, uh, which wasn't quite the structured advice I was looking for. But years later, I ended up doing a show with him on ITV2. And he said, you took my advice then, <laughs> I see. But it was such a light bulb moment for me. I thought, oh, how do I get into this industry? And yeah. you, know, you just knew. You did know. Yeah. I just, I mean, I had a backup plan. I did a law degree. But the whole time I was doing my law degree, I was doing a breakfast show on a commercial radio station. Yeah, because
1: so. Metro on Metro yeah. and um, it's a great story so many so many. you started talking about the fact you were from a family of um, sporters I'm saying sporters you don't use that term but, <laughs> but our, our little boo who's a twin she says she's a sporter I
11: like that mummy like I'm that. a
1: sporter and you were a family of sporters we were
11: my mum tried to make us a family of musicians or actors or something else you know, she was like forever encouraging us to sign up for different after school clubs but um, my dad was a professional footballer my brother was a footballer uh, my other brother um, ended up you know, playing a lot of football my and I were gymnasts, but we did every sport as kids. You know, we were playing tennis and uh, we were doing athletics and swimming and all the usual team school sports. So, yeah, my poor mum was the classic kind of, as they call America, soccer mom, you know, driving us all around, dropping yeah, us all so off. She to- said,
1: I just need to stop this. Please do something else that you can do in your bedroom. Play the cello.
11: I'll buy the cello.
1: We'll get I a think- cello I'll go into debt for a cello. Just
11: stop. Cello. I just want my life back. I mean, it is commitment, isn't it? As you know, and that's what you realize when you're older and you look back at your parents and how they. I know. Gave up so much time and energy, but I think they get they get the rewards back. Yeah,
1: and I'm sure. Well, they have in your case, Uh, no question (laughs) about that. Um, So you wanted to be a tennis player though, and you, uh, you, you sort of blame Yorkshire. (laughs)
11: <laughs> living in Leeds in, yeah. The, the, in, you give
1: a lot of love to Yorkshire as well but you yeah. do blame Yorkshire for the fact that you're not a Wimbledon sort of household name
11: well it's interesting I, I lived in Canada with my dad playing for Vancouver Whitecaps and the, tennis was abundant sport was abundant and cheap and accessible and then I came back to Leeds at 10 years old with absolute you know, plans to conquer the world of tennis and I was going to be Wimbledon champion and there was nowhere to play tennis there were no indoor courts there was one private club which was you know exorbitantly expensive that I was never going to be able to join that had one indoor court at the time Time and my mum said oh play at Roundy Park and Roundy Park was only open about two months of the year around Wimbledon and the courts the nets were taken down and it was turned into kind of a skate park or something and so at that point I just couldn't play tennis for six months and that's when I started going along to the gymnastics club with my sister and it's interesting Matthew Syed wrote a book called Bounce and he talks in that book about proximity to venues and yeah, how that influences absolutely. your Absolutely. and that, I was a classic product I mean listen I might have been a terrible tennis player ultimately but my passion was tennis but I just couldn't pursue it and I think I probably would have had a better physical kind of uh, predisposition for that sport than the one I chose which I constantly struggle to be flexible enough for so. yeah
1: I mean you know to, to which what heights did you um, reach as far as rhythmic gymnastics
11: uh, I suppose the Commonwealth Games was my, my biggest competition not, not too shabby and I represented Great Britain quite a few times but I didn't become an Olympian which was my ultimate dream and you know so to work on the Olympics now as I have done four Olympics for the BBC is a, a joy because it is for me one of the
4: greatest shows on earth the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky
6: Virgin Radio
2: we love her to- to Blue Peter and back via On the Farm and BT Sport. And we love him more and more every Strictly season. Though he's not one yet, but this is the year. It's week seven of Strictly Come Dancing on BBC One at 7pm tomorrow and preparing to waltz away from the dance-off once again. It's Helen Skelton and Gorka Marquette. Good morning, guys.
1: Yay! Hello. Happy
0: Strictly to
12: you. Happy Strictly
1: to you.
2: How's it going? There.
12: Good. Very good, yeah. That was very rock Oh, like, so energy here, you know? It's good energy. I like this. Yeah, I'm knackered now
1: to be honest. <laughs> I couldn't get through 90 seconds I to <laughs> save my life.
0: The other day you made me do one move to the whole song, didn't you? And he's like, Keep going, this is stamina training, this is stamina yeah. training. And I was like, How can a minute and a half of dancing be more tiring than a marathon? But somehow it is.
1: Helen Skelton, it is amazing. We love you, Helen. We've always loved you, we always will. And thank you for everything you do with our charities. I really appreciate it.
0: You're very welcome.
1: Will you come back and host at Carfest actually? Yes,
0: you did that. You played that brilliantly. You're <laughs> (laughs) amazing (laughs) of course I'll come back if we win
1: she will yeah of course this should come anyway Gorka out of 10 right because I know Helen really well Mm -hmm. out of 10 how much effort does this girl put into everything she does (sighs) 11,
12: 12, 13, 15, 20 she commits to everything and that's what I love about her is whatever I said to her to do she goes yeah I'm doing it even if I say okay let's change it no 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 I'm gonna do that don't yeah. change it I want to do it
1: okay so cool isn't it mm-hmm. and is that a massive relief for you when you, you get paired with someone and you think I got a goodie here
12: yeah that's that's what it is strictly you know sometimes you get people who are like professional or they have dancing background or they can perform but what you want is someone who commits to it who listens to you who wants to do well and puts the effort like she does that's the most important thing sometimes
0: I take it too far though Like I'm quite literal <laughs> like the walk in last week he was like walk in there so I walked he's like what are you doing I was like trying to He's like, no, just walk normally. <laughs> Keep your
1: powder dry, <laughs> Helen. <laughs> do what you teach, you tell me, for heaven's sake. Um, and do you have a regime, do you, do you have a set, a set schedule that you prefer to work to Gorka? Not just with Helen, but with all the partners you've had over the I years.
12: I mean, every partner is different, you know, so the more we get to know each other, the more we know how to work with each other. Yeah. So with us, we love a coffee and a toast in the morning before we start. So that allows us to catch up in like kids, home things, and then leave that aside and then, okay, now it's time to dance.
1: What's it like to to be gifted the opportunity to to be taught by s- somebody as good at their job as, as Gorka? And what's what's it been like from a physical fitness and, and sort of focus point of view? Because ch- you know you have not gone unchallenged in the past with your Amazon Rose and your your, um, your your high wire over Battersea Power Station, all that kind of stuff. You're awesome. You are already awesome. But what is this chapter of your awesomeness? On, on, on... God, this
0: is so good for my oh. ego, isn't it? I'll come here again. <laughs> He's gonna make me come here for. Him. Ego boost every week. now I think this is different because with any of the stuff I've done before, which I've been so lucky to be part of, all you have to do is try. You know, it's a fine line between brave and stupid. You just have to try. Whereas with this, you actually have to be good. <laughs> and what? What you do you mean try? Really
1: <laughs> you did a high wire over Batty. All you got to do is try. You rode up the or down. Was it up or down the Amazon? Down. Down yeah. the Amazon. I was a giant
0: poo stick for two months. No, you. But you know, I didn't have to like this. You've got to like try and master a craft right? and like you know I, I keep explaining it you know when you teach your kid to write cats and you spend all day going cut at her and they're like yeah I've got it yeah I've got it <laughs> and you get to the end of the day and they go I've got it dog de-o-gah. that's what it's like for Gorka like he spends all day teaching me something
1: <laughs> and
0: then bless him he looks at me and goes one more time my love
1: one more time <laughs> and so you have your toasty in the morning you catch up yeah, yeah. Uh, and how does how does it work then is it because you can of over train can't you you know mm-hmm. when I was learning to fly you get to a point where you might have a two-hour slot booked but after an hour he'll say we need to go down there. and I said why he said because I can see that you're not going to be able to take in any more
12: yeah right now so obviously she doesn't like to have breaks so we go as long as we can until lunch and then around like Two, three o'clock. You can see her eyes start to like cross and like shut, and you're like, okay, you need caffeine now. She was like, no, no, I'm good. Like, no, you need a caffeine break. Just so, caffeine or other drugs? Uh, just caffeine. Just caffeine. Yeah, okay. and water.
0: It's early days.
1: You yeah, gotta, you, you got <laughs> <gotta> to, <laughs> <laughs> to ask the questions, man. you got to have to
12: ask the tough journalistic questions. Yep. You know. Sometimes I boo looking for a scoop here.
1: <laughs> and, um, and so so when is your be- When are you best? When are you most available for your best work?
0: Like ten o'clock, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, we have our catch up. Uh-huh. We talk. He always says how well his child has slept, to right. which I'm, I was like, oh, well done. My child didn't sleep at all, one nil gawker. And then we <laughs> dance until one or two, like you say, and then he's like, right, you need five minutes. And
1: how fit do you feel?
0: Yeah, I do feel fit. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel
1: as fit as you've ever felt? Or?
0: Yeah, because it's a different level of fitness. Right. I've never eaten more. Like I eat so m- He's given me croissants and cakes and
12: stuff.
1: Have you tried a Krona? Not yet. No? Oh, you know what Krona is?
12: Yeah, it's a croissant and a donut. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, isn't it is, it's amazing.
1: I thought it was cryptocurrency. I don't know. But it's not, it should be. Oh,
12: right. yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's the cinnamon,
5: cinnamon
0: and
12: the sugar is so good.
1: Yeah. I mean, there was the story in the papers this week about the reed dance. Do you want to talk about that or not? It's up to you. I don't mind.
0: What we would say is...
1: should we just explain what happened? Yes. You, actually, you explain what happened.
0: If you uh, so, obviously, whoever's in the bottom two, they yeah. have to dance off against each other. Jimmy Bye danced off. Love Jimmy Bye. Love the group nap. Great Bye-bye, Jimmy. Bye-bye. I mean, that was just headline <laughs> written for them, wasn't it? Um, and then Fleur danced. The dance restarted because there was a little trip but I'm, to be honest I get so nervous I can't watch
1: yeah yeah mm. do, do you think it was I'm not going to actually think it was fair enough. it happened it happened mm. you know these things can happen and uh, the show must go on of course it must uh, Gorka how many years have you been in this seven seven how is mm. it for you How, how are you? Fair?
12: I'm loving it you know yeah. and hopefully this is the seven lucky lucky seven baby yes, so
1: realistically mm-hmm. right
12: realistically
1: because it's better to be realistic isn't it optimism is fine but realism yeah. I think is far more useful yeah Um. and efficacious what do you think your chances are get it, let's let's start with getting to the final
12: I think there is a chance but again I think there is a chance for everybody this year it's been a year which the level it's so equal yeah. that normally when you get like week after or after Blackpool you go like okay now we don't know what's going to happen yeah. because it's so level up But I think week seven already, everybody's thinking, who is going to be the next to live? We don't know it. They are so good, all of them, Mm -hmm. and so similar. They can be anybody.
4: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky.
6: Virgin Radio.
12: And now, ladies and gentlemen, Vasos
1: Alexander introducing someone else. He is the heroic stoic
2: who's sold millions of books, has a smash hit podcast and still finds it in him to talk to us at (laughs) 4.35am local time. His latest book, Discipline Uh, is Destiny, is out now. So let's pack our bags and get ready, folks, because we're all going on a Ryan Holiday. Good
1: morning, Ryan. Hey, good to be with you guys. (laughs) Um, I love the book, Ryan. I think it might be, Comparison is the Thief of Joy, I know that, but I think it might be your favourite book of mine so far. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it's so cool. It's by the nightstand. It's not going to, go anywhere else. I love it. Um, I don't really know how to talk to you about it, because every sort of paragraph is full of gold. Let I suppose we could start with our very own Queen, uh, Queen Elizabeth II. You pay such homage, such reverence to her, uh, and you wrote this before she, she passed. Let's talk about her, and let's also talk about Angela Merkel. Okay. So why was I... Our... I wanted to... <laughs> Off you go, sorry.
5: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to talk about the different kinds of discipline, right? I think yeah. people often think of discipline as this physical thing. You know, it's what time you wake up in the morning. It's how far you push yourself in the weight room or on a run, what you eat or don't eat. And of course, these are all really important forms of discipline. But I think in life, the, the discipline that's, that's called from us most often is the discipline to keep what we think to ourselves, the discipline to to, to follow the rules, the, the the discipline to observe the protocols of our profession, to not lose our temper, right, to, to see things through. And so, you know, I, I, I found them actually both to be very similar embodiments of, let's say, a less masculine form of virtue, at least in, in terms of how we understand it, but, but arguably a more important, a rarer and more powerful form of, of, of discipline, the sort of discipline of temperament, you know, the, the discipline of self-control in the emotional sense. Which, which arguably is more important for a leader than charisma or ambition or, or even genius or talent.
1: Yeah, you talk about Queen Elizabeth II. She's the ultimate sort of reigning royal uh, the world has ever known, yet she didn't have that much power. However, she was still able to sort of magically instill her opinion and her influence on situations.
5: Yeah, I mean, you could say of of the British royals that there's more things they can't do than things they can't do. And it's a a job, uh, you know, defined primarily by restraint. Right? Everything is done literally in your name, and yet you have almost no say in what those things are. And so the the power of that position is in uh, the dignity, the consistency, the observance of the rules. And, you know, each individual instance of it doesn't seem particularly impressive. But over a long enough timeline, it becomes, it begins to look almost superhuman. I mean, imagine. Seventy years in the same job per- first and foremost, but second, um, she never gives an on the record interview. she never expresses an opinion, she never gets upset, she never loses her temper she's seen she's seen falling asleep on the job one time <laughs> in seven decades, and it was when she was in her 80s and a lecture about Magnus. <laughs>
1: Which is <laughs> allowed. I think that's allowed once. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so cool. Angela Merkel, of course, she she was and, and continues to be um, this sort of the, the genius of normalcy. You know, the more normal you keep yeah. it, the more th- things you can get done. Uh, can you, can, for people who aren't aware of, of the way she still goes about her life, can you speak to that for a
5: moment? Well, there's a moment right as the pandemic is, is beginning where she's seen at a grocery store in Germany shopping like everyone else strictly following the protocols and rules about you know what how much you could buy of this or that um as if she is not you know the leader of the free world at this moment and um look th- no leader is perfect so i'm not making a comment on her political policies but i am making an argument about someone you know w- w- absolute power is supposed to corrupt absolutely that doesn't seem to happen um uh, leaders are supposed to have enormous egos, be very ambitious, be very driven, um, and, and, and she is ambitious and driven. And yet, uh, once again, she she has a uh, an ability to keep this under uh, uh, under check, right? She has the ability to to understand that often what a difficult task requires is not charisma, but discipline and poise and humility. She has a a little sign on her desk that says, calm, calmness is strength. And again, um, this, is a, this is a really important form of discipline, the ability to be cool under pressure, to not get rattled by things, to not get upset about things, to not take everything personally, but to show up and see them rationally and clearly. Uh, the, the Stokes would talk about seeing things in the calm light of mild philosophy. And this is what I think great leaders are able to do. And
1: you talk about the most, one of the most powerful words in the world being the word no, because um, you know every time you say yes, there is an opportunity cost to that. Thank you for not saying no to this. And I'm very sorry about the opportunity cost going forward on your Monday.
5: No, no. I, the best line I heard about no recently was that no is a complete sentence. <laughs>
1: Unapologetically. All right. Ryan, you're always welcome here. Um, Sweet dreams, my friend. Lots of love to you and your family and your cattle and your lovely life. And um, whenever you want us, we're here.
5: Uh, Honoured. It was great to talk with you. And uh, 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 good morning, everyone.
1: (laughs) No. (laughs) Discipline is Destiny by Ryan Holiday. All his books are gold, absolute gold. And this is just another golden brick in his
4: literary wall. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky.
6: Virgin Radio.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.